Aaron Rittmaster. Welcome to the Man Cave, where we're recording the Diz Dads podcast, episode number 21. Tonight, we're going to discuss tips, tricks, and strategies for traveling to Walt Disney World with babies and toddlers. With me tonight are Dave Jewart, Indie Disney on the Boards. Hey, Dave. What's going on, folks? David Nicely, The Duck 619. Hi, guys. James Goodman, SWA Bike Dude. Good evening, everyone. And tonight, for only the second time ever, we have a, a female in the room in the man cave. Uh, we have our special guest, Lisa Batista, author of Beyond the Attractions. Hey, Lisa. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. It's nice to have an expert around. Thanks. Um, so, actually, before we start, Lisa, why don't you give us just a, a quick overview of, of the book and, and what it's about? Yes, I have um, three children. I have actually a grown stepson, and then I have a son who just turned six in October, and I have a two-year-old. And my husband and I have been avid Walt Disney World fans and travelers, and I have to admit, I was part of the group that said, oh, we won't take our kids, you know, until they're five years old, and they can really enjoy it, Um, you know, which was quite naive. And once my six-year-old came along, you know, it wasn't long before we started thinking, wow, he would really love it. And, you know, we don't want to miss a couple of years um, of visiting <laughs> Walt Disney World if we can't find a babysitter. So kind of the wheels started turning. Um, and I started to do a lot of research. And, you know, also being a new mom, you, you research a lot of things, products, you know, baby products, strollers, et cetera. And I started to realize that, you know, traveling with a young child really is unique. And it's a little bit different from just reading a book, in my view, of taking kids to Disney World. You know, toddlers and babies, you have to worry about feeding. You have to worry about how you're going to get all, you know, diaper products and strollers and that type of thing um, to Walt Disney World. In addition to, you know, nap times and fears. So I just did a lot of research and I kind of, you know, for myself, and then I thought, you know, I had some material that could be helpful to other parents, and I wrote a book. Okay. Well, um, all of us here on the panel tonight have uh, children in the sort of toddler range that we've taken to Walt Disney World. Um, We took my son when he was three. Um, Dave, what was your experience taking a small child to Walt Disney World? We took my daughter twice, uh, once for a day. It's a pretty random story how we we got there. But uh, when she was three, that was two years ago, and this past summer we uh, spent seven nights at Coronado Springs um, with with her and and my wife. So it was the three of us, and it was a blast. (laughs) Okay, and uh, David, how about you, your experience with small children at Walt Disney World? The, uh, the first time we took our, our twin daughters uh, was when they were two and a half. Um, and kind of going to what Lisa said, you know, we were one of those who said we didn't want to go, but we couldn't hold off on, on visiting any longer. So we decided to, uh, to take them along. Okay. And uh, James, how about you? Uh, let's see. You know, when we first took um, my son, he was just turned one. Um, and I noticed that you had to bring a lot of stuff with you. So it was a learning experience. But we had the in-laws in tow, so that did help. Okay. And we also have a, a range here. Um, you know, my family, James's family, um, Lisa's family are, are all flyers. Um, we, f- we fly to Walt Disney World. Um, 
Dave uh, Jewart and David Nicely, your families are drivers, yeah? Yes, we, we, we've driven the last two times that we went, and then we flew the first time. Okay. When, As I was growing up, we were flyers, but uh, once once the whole baggage restrictions and all that fun stuff uh, came into play, yeah, we drive now. It's just a lot, a lot easier. Okay. Well, I, I want to address, first of all, this this kind of undercurrent that I think all of us heard uh, at least occasionally from um, family friends when they heard, oh yeah, we're going to Walt Disney World and you know we're bringing our two-year-old, we're bringing our three-year-old, we're bringing our two-and-a-half-year-olds, uh, both of them. Um, so h- how did how did you you know deal with that question? What did you feel about getting that uh, comment that you know wh- why are you taking such a little kid? They're never going to remember it. Why are you spending the money on them? I, I think for us you know, there's a variety of reasons. Um, Like I mentioned, part of it was that my husband and I didn't want to miss our trips to Disney World. Um, But also, I think that just like you love seeing your child open that Christmas present, you know, their first Christmas present or second Christmas present that they're never going to remember, but you get such joy from seeing the look on their face and all the excitement. I think a that's one reason to take a small child to Disney World because they do get so amazed by all the sights and the sounds and the attractions. And true, maybe they won't remember it, you know, 20 years down the road, but you certainly will and you'll have pictures and video and all that good stuff with technology. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's one reason why you may take a small child. And, and you know, on the flip side, I also have an older stepson, so for families that might have a toddler, but they have older children that would like to visit Walt Disney World, you might not want to hold off on that trip until your littlest one is five, so, you know, you want to make provisions and some plans so the whole family can have a good time. Sure. Yeah, if I I can jump in on that. Sure, go ahead, Dave. exactly what happened to me. Um, My my first trip was when I was 10 uh, because my sister was five. And my parents had held off going until, you know, the quote-unquote, hey, they'll remember it now age. Um, whereas I'm just being extremely selfish at this point because, like you said, Lisa, a lot of it's about what what we as parents will remember. You know, I, I still have, and it's one of the best pictures I've ever taken, and it's shaky, and it's with some little, you know, junky point-and-shoot camera that I have that I don't care if it gets lost. But the best picture that I've taken in the last two years was my daughter's reaction to seeing Mickey the first time. And no matter what, I can look at that picture and go back and say, I just, it, it automatically brings back that first day that we were there running down Main Street, you know, like it was, sorry, walking fastly <laughs> down Main Street. But I, I mean, it, it's it's a completely selfish notion, and you know I, I've discussed this ad nauseum on the boards with people who are like, no, wait till they're six, or hey, take them when they're two months old. Which, frankly, I'm really interested if anyone took anyone under two, because my wife is pushing for us to go in December, and my next child who is coming in May will be six months. So if anyone's got any info on that, let me know. But <laughs> well, I, I know that um, David, you took your your twins when they were pretty young. I was say yeah, they were, they were about two and a half. And okay, um, 
you know, um, it, it was it was a lot of work, but kind of going what Lisa and Dave have said, they they don't remember it, but what they do know is that they've seen the pictures, they've seen the video, and they know that we had a good time as a family. And when they reflect back on that, they see the joy and everything that, you know, that we've done, and it set up the other vacations that we have taken. It's kind of set a standard that this is what we do as a family. Uh, we spend this time together. Um, you know, now they're getting into the planning stages as well. But it just set that early stages. When they look back on those pictures, and they're like, we really had fun, didn't we? And, you know, there's those, like Lisa said, those, those, there are those pictures and those videos that kind of go along with that. Yeah, and, and Lisa, you even took one at, at 15 months. I did. My youngest was 15 months um, when, on his first trip. And it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. It, it was the hardest trip that we took. And it, it, for us, it was about setting expectations because, you know, I knew it was going to be a lot of work. But again, it was worth it. And I really, it's funny. I know he doesn't remember um, specifics on that trip. It's not like he can say I went on, you know, flying Dumbo. But even after his trip, you know, before he has a sign for Mickey Mouse. He points to his nose. That's Mickey Mouse. And he just, he did remember that trip for quite a while after that. And, you know, like David said, it kind of sets the stage where he's excited about Walt Disney World. He knows it's a fun place to go, even though he might not remember the specifics, if, if that kind of makes sense. Sure. And, and I think that we're really all coming back to the same thing, which is that it may be true that a, a very small child won't remember, you know, the details of their trip, but they will remember sh that shared experience. They'll remember the atmosphere. And there may be some specific things that they do take away. Um, I was amazed, you know, my son um, was three when we took our trip and you know, he was really ride shy, He and we didn't push it. He didn't ride much of anything. He spent most of his trip in the stroller. But the funny thing about it is that now, ever since then, he's the one who wants to know when we're going back. He's the one who says, you know, he has his imaginary friends who he decided live in Disneyland. Um, you know, it, it's it's him who picked up on the atmosphere and has really internalized it. Um, so, you know, we say they won't remember these things, but it, it really is amazing the, the little details that they do remember and that they do take with them. And they may not remember them when they're 18, but he remembers them at five. He'll probably remember them at seven. He may remember them at 10. Um, those, those sort of shorter term memories are important too. Um, and, and I think that they, they do carry those with them. It's the same thing here. Um, I got asked today, actually, when we're going back to Disney World, and if it's going to be tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, I better get online and start booking some stuff, apparently. <laughs> uh, so once you've made that decision to go ahead and, and you know make the trip with a, with a younger child, the next things you, you know, the next set of things really you have to deal with are, are the questions of travel. And whether you're flying or driving, there are a number of issues that are going to present themselves when you're traveling with a small child. And I wanted to talk about some of those. Um, and so I want to turn to our sort of our, our airline expert, James. And um, James, any, any tips you have for families that are looking to, to travel to Walt Disney World with a small child? Um, yeah, actually, there's. I have quite a few. I mean, 
working for airline and, and seeing the, the people that do fly through the airports, um, I can see a lot of do's and don'ts and things that I've learned from watching. Um, and, and you know, going to Disney World when you uh, basically have to have like some essentials like a stroller, um, you know, things like that, you, you should definitely invest in a good one there because um, navigating through the airport, folding it, unfolding it, just like you do when you get on buses and such, I mean, that's going to help, uh, you know, you navigate the airports better and, and just kind of being prepared for all those extra, um, like extra time that you have since you always want to give yourself more time than normal, just because you never know when there's going to be like, if you have real small children, when there's going to be a diaper change need or, you know, um, I usually let my son run around in the airport in the gate area between the little boarding poles at, at the airport so he could tire himself out before a flight. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, you always bring some type of activities and, and hidden things in the bags and, and things like that. So you got to do a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of uh, thinking beforehand. And you just got to know your child, you know, so, you know, um, and especially if it's their first flight or, um, you know, first time traveling somewhere, uh, you know, you may not know what to expect yet. So you got to prepare for like the unexpected Right. I, I think for for us, one of the important things was to make sure that there was something familiar that we when we were traveling with, you know, a favorite stuffed animal, um, a, a blanket that they always travel with, something that gives a child a, a sense of of their own space, their own um, identity, really, when they're thrown into these kind of for them truly bizarre circumstances. I mean, if you think about it. You know, putting a, a two-year-old or a, a one-year-old on, you know, in a box that's going to jump off the ground and fly mm-hmm. um, is about as bizarre as it gets. And and so giving them an anchor that they're comfortable with, I think, is really important. Um, anybody else have good uh, flying tips with children? That was one of my concerns, Aaron, was that my, you know, I knew that this was going to be their first trip. And um I had talked to a gentleman who uh, is the father uh, of a lot of kids. I think it was like seven or eight. And he had talked about their first trip that they kind of prepared for him. So I took some tips. So for about a month before we flew, we we played airplane uh, on a regular basis. And I would put the girls in a chair and I would shake it and say, this is what it's going to be like when we take off. And then I would tilt it back. Um, And, you know, it it really helped with some of the anxiety that one of them was pretty nervous uh, we did pick an early morning flight, so they would take their mid-morning nap um, during the flight, which it, it worked out for the way there. Um, but I think it was as much preparedness as possible, sort of like James said, you need to know your child and know what they're going to uh, try to anticipate what they're going to do. Yep, I agree. Anybody else? Uh, f- flying tips with small children? I, I agree, and this this is a slight segue off of flying tips, but as James had said, to really um, plan ahead and think carefully about packing, I think that extends to your carry-on bag with the Magical Express because it's not just making sure you have enough snacks and enough pull-ups and such or, or diapers on the flight, but if you take Magical Express, you might not get your luggage or your checked bags for, you know, three to five hours after you arrive. So you're going to need that hat and the sunscreen um, for, you know, walking around the resort or whatever you're going to be doing once you do land. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And it's really important to, to think ahead, not just about what you need to get yourself to the airport, not just about what the things you might need on the plane, not even just thinking about what things you might need between the plane and your resort, but really anything that you might need until your baggage arrives from Magical Express if you're relying on Magical Express. And and frankly, that is really... Um, to me, one of the next tips is, you know, when you're traveling with small children like that, um, Magical Express can be a real lifesaver. Um, it's much easier to, you know, get kids from the airport to your resort in uh, a bus than it is to hassle with either carrying on or renting, um, you know, child seats for a, for a rental car and uh, juggling all of that and your kids and the baggage uh, in the airport. Uh, Magical Express can really be sort of a sanity saver, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree, Aaron. I mean, you know, it, it just, if it keeps the parents calm, I think it really helps, you know, with the younger kids staying calm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, the the fewer headaches you you present yourself with, the fewer headaches you pass on to the kids. I think that's definitely true. Um, and uh, David, you you had a, a kind of a tip for something to make sure you've got in your uh, sort of your your transition bag um, for when you first get to the resort. Yeah, we had uh, thought about you know we knew that we would be getting there before standard check in, so we went ahead and packed our swimsuits. So that once um, we got to the resort um, and we knew that our room wouldn't be ready, we were able to make it over to the pool, uh, one of the quiet pools, uh, and we knew that they had uh, you know restrooms right there. So we just changed in there, and uh, we all had some downtime in the pool until our room was ready. And it and it really really helped. Um, the girls you know had a blast in the pool, and it you know kind of um, calmed everyone down from all the anxiety of the day to that point. Yeah. Um, so that those are mostly flying tips. Let, let's talk about some driving issues, too, because um, for most of us, uh, you know, driving to Walt Disney World is uh, not a quick trip down the road. Um, you know, uh, Dave, uh, Jewart, how, how long is your drive? Uh, technically 17 and a half hours. All right, and we, we won't discuss if you get it a little quicker. We, yeah, we don't we don't want to tempt Disney Fed. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, so so you're in about 17 hours, and and then uh, David nicely, um, you're looking at what about 21 hours? Uh, between 17 and 19 hours. 17 and 19. Okay, so that's same range. Um, and you know, tra- traveling with a, a kid in a car for that long, there there are some things to keep in mind there too. Um, you know, uh, in particular, you know, one that, that my mother-in-law, of course, made sure I was aware of, uh, she's a nurse, is that children riding in car seats can be, um, can be susceptible to something called deep vein thrombosis um, if they're sitting, because they're sitting with their legs hanging off the end of their car seat and there's no place for their feet to rest. Um, and it, it, basically what it means is that they can get blood clots in their legs if you don't um, make an effort to make sure that they get an opportunity to, to stand up and move around every so often. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, 
one of the things that my wife had stressed beforehand um, because she knew that I'd be overly excited about getting there and, and would drive just straight through um, was that we took lots of breaks. And when we took those breaks, it's not just to go to the bathroom and back into the, to the van. It's, you know, we would run around, the kids would do, you know, jump around, hop, do whatever, um, so they could burn some of that energy off. Right, that too. We, we did the complete opposite. <laughs> Just tried to get it over with, huh, Dave? Uh, yeah, basically, we drove through the night, uh, which I would do a little differently, um, because there's nothing worse than being up for basically 20-some-odd hours, because you worked the day before, and you roll into your hotel at 9 a.m., and there's no room at the end. <laughs> so that that one kind of kind of hurt. But uh, we uh, we chose to drove overnight uh, to drive overnight, and we made four stops, and it was all for fuel. Everyone except for me in the car was asleep. Um, I was I, I was lucky enough. Um, I figured my <laughs> My wife said she would drive, quote unquote, drive for a little bit, and uh, I figured it'd be an hour and a half, and it ended up being the first, uh, so basically the first fuel stop, which was four and a half, five hours, and that really helped. So we were planning on stopping halfway and staying overnight, uh-huh. but uh, I got to sleep on the way, and uh, we we ended up making it in seventeen and a half hours. I drove for eleven hours straight through through the night stopped twice for fuel and uh about jacksonville <laughs> uh my, my, my wife says you're delirious pull over and uh that was probably a good idea so but it, okay. I, I i don't know if i would necessarily do it that way again yeah um, if if you if you do plan on doing some sort of marathon drive give yourself a day to rest which luckily we had one uh built into our schedule so we ended up having an extra one because we weren't planning on, on getting there right. day early uh, or that early. So, um, but, but yeah, uh, it, it was, it was pretty crazy. I don't know if I would do it that way again, but I might, who knows? Well, I, I mean, I think you, you raise an important point and that is that you really do have to, when you, when you do your advanced planning, you've got to consider more than just the days of your trip. Um, you know, that what what you've got on your schedule for the day before your trip and, and really the day after you get back too are things that you need to keep in mind, particularly when you're going to be driving long distances and you've got a situation where, you know, you as the driver, primary driver, aren't going to get much sleep and uh, where the, the kids are not necessarily going to sleep as well because they're moving. I know a lot of young kids do sleep great in the car. Um, mine would sleep great in the car, but then once they were awake would be wide awake. So, um, they were sort of in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to drive a lot for work. Um, I, I traveled a ton, so I was, I I was kind of used to it and I used a lot of tips from that to this. Um, but first things first, uh, make sure you know your route and I don't just mean what direction you're going. Like I'm going South to Disney. I mean, actually look and see what times you're potentially going to be hitting some of these larger cities. Um, I know, David, you have to hit Atlanta, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. You, you don't want to hit Atlanta at 7 o'clock in the morning because you decided to drive through the night. I mean, y- you could potentially waste three hours, four hours sitting in traffic 
going through the city. And I mean, it can happen at any time, but really be aware uh, and cognizant of what times you're hitting these major uh, major metro areas. Um, I mean, coming, at, I'm in Western PA. Uh, we we luckily don't have to hit Hotlanta, which is fantastic. Uh, but we do hit places like Charlotte, which can be absolutely horrid because they don't have the infrastructure still uh, to 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 deal with the amount of traffic that they have during peak times. So, you know, you're, you're going down 77 and you hit that, you might as well get off the road, have breakfast, uh, let the kids run around, do something else because sitting in traffic is, it's, it's not good for anyone. Uh, especially when you're going on something that's supposed to be as fun as a Disney trip. I mean, it's one thing when it's, Oh, it's business. Great. But you know, you're, you, you want to get there. So, but uh, if there's anything on the route, that's num- that's number one. Make sure you know when you're going to hit places and where you're going. Okay, so let's just do a quick roundtable here on one good uh, Occupy the Kids tip, whether you're traveling by car or by plane. You know, the, the kids get restless. What, what's your favorite tip for uh, entertaining a small child uh, while we're traveling? I'm just going to kind of whip through the group here. Um, James, why don't you go first? Your favorite way to entertain a child while traveling let's see with all the uh hundreds of electrical devices out there um uh my son uses a ds for everything and now we just recently got ourselves a little tablet so we loaded some videos on that and he'll go for hours okay uh lisa your favorite i have to say the portable dvd player it's a lifesaver (laughs) uh dave jort bourbon no, no, no giving your no, children bourbon, no, Dave. No, no okay. not allowed. Uh, it, I mean, everyone took, obviously, it, it's a lot different than when when us old folk were kids and you had to read, oh, I don't know, books. Um, <laughs> but portable DVD player definitely um, was was an absolute lifesaver. And it, it is on any long trip, even an hour, two hours when you're going shopping somewhere. You know, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's number one. Okay, how about you, David? DVD player. <laughs> oh my, DVD player wins in a landslide. Well, I'm going to share a, a couple of our favorites because here's the problem. I, you know, we love the, the the videos as well, but there's always that, you know, climbing time at the beginning of the flight and the the final descent time at the end of the flight where they can't use the videos. <laughs> They've got to turn it off. And so um, my favorites are, and the first is a, a game that my daughter and I started playing when she was little. My son plays it now too some, although not not as much. But um, we used to play a, a game, sort of a, um, we used to call it Who Am I? And just take turns saying, okay, I'm uh, a princess and I wear a blue dress and just kind of going through hints until the other person could guess who it is you were. And that was a good one because, you know, we tended to choose Disney characters. We, we do characters from any movie, but obviously when they're little, uh, most of what they'd seen was Disney. Um, so it would kind of get us in the mood for the trip. It was something that they could do that kept them engaged and didn't require uh, an electrical device. So you didn't have... Um, uh, flight attendants yelling at us to turn it off. Um, that was kind of nice. Um, 
and uh, the other one is is um, the the Magna Doodle pads are great because um, they have you know I, I don't know if you've seen them they're they're kind of rectangular and they're they're somewhere in between like a, an etch a sketch and the old um, like magnet things where you could put a beard on the guy with the little magnetic shavings like this is this is the next step up they're so much better because they can really draw on them and the beauty is that the pen that they use to draw on them is attached to the board so you can't lose it they're they're relatively small so they don't take up a lot of space they're not bulky um and they they really do keep the kids entertained. Um, everything from you know making their own drawings and doodles to playing tic tac toe. And they work on a plane, on a car. Don't take electricity. Don't run out of batteries. I love them. Um, all right. Anybody else have a, a travel tip before we we move on to uh, our next topic area? All right. Well, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lisa. Oh, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I I think um, one of the things that's helped us the past two trips, um, flying is the CARES harness for my son, um, because we want him to be safe. Um, you know, obviously flying, but when we actually brought the two car seats, plus the carry-ons, we have four adults and two kids, and the stroller, and you know. It, we, it, we still didn't have enough adults to yeah. carry everything. So the CARES harness um, folds up. It's like, I think, a pound it. You can throw it on the carry-on bag. And it, it didn't work quite as well when my son was just over two years old because he was kind of small. Um, but this past trip, when he was, you know, two and three quarters, it was fantastic. Um, kept him in his seat. It was comfortable for him. It was similar to, you know, what he was used to in his regular car seat. Um, and I just thought that that really helped my family to get through the airport. Yeah. Anything. I mean, I, you know, I joke when we go to, when we hit the airport, I feel like we need to have a pack mule that just comes along yeah. with us. Um, so yeah, anything that, that, you know, makes that burden lighter. Um, you know, the other tip I would suggest is, um, luggage that has the little straps that allow you to attach pieces to each other was big help. Um, you know, being able to kind of, you know, I, I could handle maneuvering two or three bags when they could be connected to one another and, and still, you know, I, I didn't have to have three hands. I could still do it with two hands. Um, this is why you all need to drive. It's so much nicer. And you I, sound like my husband. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it, I get the whole travel time verse, you know, uh, all that stuff. It, but, you know, we, we, we basically took, it was an 11 day trip. We had seven nights at Disney and we, we would not have been able to fly. We, we, we probably wouldn't be able to make the trip if we flew yeah. because it was cost prohibitive and only being 17, 18 hours away. It's really, obviously Aaron, I know you're kind yeah, of, we're, we're a minimum of 21 hours. And I guess right. my guess is that James would be upwards of 30. Right, and I, I understand that, but I mean, if if you have the if you have the option, it's just so much, so much easier. And I, <laughs> I think this is a debate for another podcast, but completely, I hear you. Yeah. Um. 
All right. Um, so before we move away from, from um, the travel tips completely, um, I do want to kind of as a transition here, um, pull our buddy here, James, up onto the hot seat because he has not done uh, 10 questions yet. And oh so it's time for all of us to get to know James a little better. So, James, are you all ready? Right, bring it. Bring it on. All right. Uh, so where do you live and what do you do for a living? Uh, well, we live right outside the uh, great city of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and I'm a, a training supervisor for uh, Southwest Airlines. And describe your family for us. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm married. Uh, have uh, one son. Uh, he's going to be turning six right after Christmas. And what is your favorite off-the-beaten-path location at Walt Disney World? Um, well, you know, the, the Wilderness Lodge Resort is one of our favorites. Um, and I think uh, the best um, spot we found is just taking one of those outside balconies. And uh, we just find some chairs and just sit there and rock in them. And you kind of feel like you're in your own personal lodge. <laughs> so that's kind of our favorite spot. And what is your least favorite spot? at Walt Disney World. My least favorite spot would be the queue for the Dumbo ride. Ah, that is a, that's a good one. That's a good one. We haven't had that one come up and I can't really argue with you there. <laughs> right. Uh, who is your favorite animated Disney character? Um, I, my favorite is Mickey. Mickey Mouse. I've grown up with Mickey Mouse since I was little. Um, so he is still my favorite. What sound or noise do you love? Um, I think the the crazy thing is that new parade uh, that comes out like four or five times at Magic Kingdom throughout the day. When that music starts, um, me and my son, we just kind of get excited. And I lift him up on my shoulder so I can see everything so we know it's about to happen. And we, we like that, that noise at the beginning. Excellent. Um what sound or noise do you hate? Um, I think I hate the one when uh, all the uh, cast members are saying goodbye and goodnight for the evening when you're leaving the park. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what career other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I've, I've always wanted to be a teacher. And uh, I think, you know, at the, at the time, I kind of do that now in a way. But um, that was kind of uh, something I've always wanted to try. And I know um, when Disney used to have their university, that's kind of where I wanted to work. But Okay. Um, what job would you not like to do? Um, let's see. I don't think I'd want to do any of the, uh, um, was it like the uh, horticulture work where they have to... Uh, constantly be taking care of all the the plants and topiaries and things like that at disney world okay uh and then finally our last question if you could be a disney cast member for one year and only for one year what job would you want to do for that year Ooh, for one year uh i'd probably want to drive the monorail be a monorail pilot all right any particular reason I think that's kind of cool. It's uh, You're in charge of a lot of stuff, but you have the best view in the sky. So I think I'd like to do that. Okay. Well, that sounds great. You've survived. You can step Woo. down off the hot seat. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, James. 
Okay. Um, so I, I want to move us back to the uh, discussion of taking babies and small children to Walt Disney World. And now we've, we've done our traveling. We've arrived at uh, Walt Disney World. Where are we going to stay? Um, that's the next big issue. How do you choose a, a resort with uh, babies and small children in mind? Um, so anybody have any tips, tricks, suggestions for uh, dealing with small children at the resort? And we probably shouldn't, oh, I'm sorry. We probably should include restaurants here too, but, but why don't we start with the resort itself? And, and Lisa, go ahead. For us, um, from the perspective of having a toddler, there's two considerations of well of course location you know a monorail resort would be great um but sometimes you know that's cost prohibitive um but i look for having room to walk a lot of space because that's really important when your toddler who naps all the time at home doesn't want to take a nap at disney world but really needs to so just being able to walk the stroller around um you know so they can sleep is great and also i like having a lot of food options in your proximity. So for us, you know, my favorite location is the boardwalk area because we can, you know, walk to Epcot, we can walk to Hollywood Studios in the afternoon while the baby's sleeping. Um, you can walk, obviously, around the boardwalk area, and then there's tons of food, you know, right through the International Gateway um, in Epcot and also at the nearby resorts. So. For me, that's our personal favorite um, from the perspective of having small children and, and trying to keep everybody happy. Okay. Sounds good. Um, anybody else have uh, their favorites for, in particular, for, for dealing with, uh, you know, a small ch child with you uh, at the resort? Um, for, for our two trips, we stayed at Pop, uh, and it was granted only for two nights. Uh, when when my daughter was three, and this past year we stayed at, uh, at Coronado Springs, um, and we after being at Pop, we opted to to kick it up to a, a moderate level, just for the fact that there's a little bit more room, there's a few more amenities. I mean, granted, if we if we were staying at Pop for more than you know two or three days we would have had to pay for a fridge so we could have milk in the room not just you know a little cooler full of ice um but uh, having having you know a the larger room the uh the two sinks instead of one definitely helped out um obviously uh as, as lisa stated you know we would love to be on the monorail but it was just completely cost prohibitive um especially the time of year we go in midsummer. Um, so it, moderate was, was just right now. Now Coronado Springs was a little bit out of the way and I was a little concerned about getting back for naps. Uh, but, but frankly, she didn't nap. She went straight through all day. Um, and if they did go back to the resort, they were swimming and she just conked out early. It was basically after dinner, eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock, she was gone. So right. she, she, she missed fireworks every night, but it was still, it, it, it still it worked out well. Um, we had it, we had planned for you know if we needed to, we had a couple spots in the park where okay or in each park actually to go and just let her nap in in a stroller uh, in mind, but never had to do that. It was just it was sensory overload. I got to go here. I got to go there. Got to see them. So okay. Anybody else a favorite? 
or a suggestion? We went with the the moderate two, um, and, and one of the reasons that we stayed at Caribbean Beach when we took them when they were two and a half. Um, one of the reasons that we wanted to do that was so that we could have a quiet pool. Um, they didn't know how to swim yet; they were too young. Um, it also gave us a food court where we could go and get food and bring it back to the room, um, but yet still have enough room within the room itself um, to store the stroller at night. Uh, and have a little bit of room for the girls to play. Okay. How about you, James? Well, we we've done the um I've I've done the pop in the All Star resorts, you know, to keep it cheaper, you know, for the trip and such. And the uh, I, I think they were well um they were fine for the kids, uh, especially they have like the little water areas, and uh, I think they all pretty much have like a playground. Right. Um, at least the pop century, I know that one uh, had a playground, and that's always fun. Um. I don't think we've ever had problems with the rooms or anything, but um, we've we've done like uh, um, like David said earlier about the refrigerator. We we've had a, a fridge before, just so you have uh, you know. My son was big on yogurt, so we had to get yogurt a lot and those kind of things. But recently, we've been staying at more of the deluxe properties, which you know it makes your trip a little shorter because they're a little pricier. Um, but if you have the stroller, you know how a pain that could be when you have to take that stroller down for the buses. And that's pretty much what you get at the Popper All-Star for transportation. But at the Deluxe, you know, you can just wheel right on to the monorail. And that was um, like a time saver and just easier, for yeah. us, especially when they fall asleep, you know. Yeah. No, we, we definitely, the the time that we spent at, at, at the at the Polynesian, um, you know, we definitely appreciated that ability to, to roll the stroller directly onto the, to the monorail. Um, now, one of the things, um, I, I think that ultimately, really any of the resorts can work. Sometimes it just takes some additional planning and some thinking ahead. Um, and I think one example of that is, um, you know, Thinking about room locations, thinking about, um, you know, how to take best advantage of whatever resort you're at. So, for example, um, on our last trip, uh, when we were staying at um, All Star Music, you know, my son still really needs his afternoon nap. And so we chose to to request uh, a building and a room location that was... um, away from the pool area and away from the elevator. Now, those are considered, you know, generally speaking, less desirable rooms, but those were perfect for us because it was a little quieter. You didn't have the, you know, music and the the games and all of that at the pool happening right outside the window. And so my son was still able to take his nap. And those rooms also were, you know, easy to get, a request granted for because they tend to be, uh, you know, less popular requests. You can make similar requests in, in um, other resorts. One of the things that drove the request that we made at, at All Star Music too was that it was near the playground. Um, and there was one afternoon where that's what Jonathan needed. You know, he needed to go run around and climb at the playground because, you know, he he's a physical kid and he needed that. Um, he'd been walking and, and sitting in attractions and things like that for about as long as he could. Um, so, like I said, I, I think you can make any resort work. It's it's a matter of planning ahead and, and thinking about, 
how to best use what the resort offers. Um, now, uh, Lisa and and David, you know, you, you meant you, you. I think you both have had some experience with um, DVC properties. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, we, okay. <laughs> uh, we we oh, I'm trying to think. I think was, we've probably been DVC owners for about four years now. Um, and when we first went on our honeymoon, you know, 11 years ago, we went on the tour and I wish we had bought back then. But at the time we, we said, are we really going to come back here every year? Um, you know, fast forward, you know, six, seven years later. And, uh, you, you know, we knew that we would be returning and it was one of the best things for us. Primarily having young children, I love the space, and I have to admit I'm spoiled even going for to you know non-Disney trips to staying in a room. I love like the family suite concept, and that's where I think DVC adds a lot of value for young families. Sure, yeah, having a separate bedroom for the parents I think is a, a nice bonus. And uh, how about you, David? Yeah, uh, I would agree. We. Um... In this last trip, we rented some points, um, mainly because of the size of our party. It started out six, went to seven, and then ended up being nine. Um, so we got a chance to experience a two-bedroom villa, and it was really more than enough room. Um, we had three bathrooms, the two bedrooms at Kadani Village, um, the kitchen. It was a, I can't tell you how much it spoils you being able to make breakfast in the morning um, for everyone so you don't have to worry about when you get to the park, what are we going to do about feeding everybody? Um, and there was more than enough stuff there for the kids to do. I mean, there was a couple of days where I think they may have chosen to stay at the resort had their dad not dragged them to Epcot. <laughs> okay, well, that, that gives us just the right segue to um, our, our final you know, major topic here, which is um, touring the parks with babies and toddlers because you really do have to approach the, the way you're going to uh, – experience the theme parks a little bit differently when you're doing it with uh, babies and toddlers. Um, you know, Lisa had mentioned uh, right off the, the bat that um, you really need to think about things like sunscreen and things like, uh, you know, that you that you might not think about until they became an issue for you if you weren't traveling with a small child. You know, sometimes we don't think about sunscreen until that first day of sunburn, and then we think, oh, my God, I should use sunscreen. But it's really important to be in front of that with a, a small child. Um, what are some other thoughts, Lisa? Um, I, I think you all have to plan out what you think your child's going to eat. I mean, at least for me, that was important because – yeah, it would be great for on the first day to give them, you know, a huge Mickey bar. But after seven days, I, I just – my kids wouldn't react well to having a lot of um, food that they're not used to eating. So I definitely ship down a lot of dry snacks. Um, I ship down – the fruit now comes in like little squeezable tubes that's really easy to throw in your bag um, and go and feed them in the park. So he had the go-go squeeze applesauce. So I think it's um, – important to think about that. It's important to plan for child identification and look at some different options, um, what you feel comfortable with for your family. And I would say for older, um, you know, kids, maybe like four and five, 
don't underestimate the fact that they might need a stroller and kind of think ahead and think, well, do you want to bring an umbrella stroller from home? Um, do you want to rent one from the Disney parks if it becomes an issue and you think they're going to need it? Or do you think you might want to rent one from a local Orlando-based company? Um, but I think it's important to kind of know what your options are ahead of time for that aspect. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to both of those points, um, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, we, even this last trip we went back, my son was, was four, and we went ahead and got a stroller just because, you know, the, the he, and he still walked a lot, but... If you don't have the stroller, then you have to remind remind yourself that you're going to be limited to the pace at which the slowest member of your party can can keep up. Um, and by the you know third hour in the park, um, you know no matter how hardy a four year old is, you know those little legs got to take four times as many steps just to keep up. Um, and, uh, you know, we've now rented strollers from a couple of different Orlando companies um, and had good experiences with both uh, Orlando Stroller Rentals and uh, Kingdom Stroller, um, both of which, you know, were were real godsends for us. Um, you know, they, they deliver the stroller right there to your resort and you leave it there for them to pick up at the end and you don't even have to think about it. And it was substantially cheaper than, than uh, renting a stroller from the park and at this point you know we don't use a stroller at home anymore i'm not even sure we have one big enough for him i was just gonna say that was actually one of our big issues uh since we were driving obviously we could take a stroller so we did a ton of research on uh on purchasing one of the for lack of a better term heavyweight strollers one of the umbrella strollers that held up to 50 pounds and some of the prices are astronomical on those. Um, we ended up finding one from Baby Trend for 50 bucks that was on sale, and it was out of this world fantastic. It wasn't much larger than a regular umbrella stroller, so getting on and off the monorail, buses, anything to that effect was not an issue whatsoever, but it's it's still folded up and was able to be carried, so when, when the little one wanted to walk, uh, which was a lot of the time, but we did push her a lot. Um, it was it was definitely, definitely, uh, as you said, a godsend. It, it, if we would have gone without a stroller, it would have been horrific, just just terrible. <laughs> but uh, it, it, you know, don't don't be afraid to like it was stated earlier. Four or five, you know, they're, they're still they're still small kids, even though they they may be of the bigger variety. Don't be afraid to put them in a stroller because it's just it. You're, you cut your day in half. Yeah. If you don't, because they're just not going to be able to keep up on our first trip. I'm, sh- I'm sure that the, uh, you know, the baby jogger stroller that we rented was, was probably Jonathan's favorite ride. I mean, he referred to it as his roller coaster. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we did, Similar like David, we knew we were going to take them, and since we were, since we flew the first time, I didn't want to take a double stroller, um, so we bought we did a little research and we bought umbrella strollers that one were heavier duty, two they reclined, uh, and they were vented in the back um, so that they uh, wouldn't sweat. But the stroller handles were six inches taller than your standard umbrella stroller, um, and this saved my wife and I's backs. 
um, so we didn't have to hunch over. That's uh, a fantastic point. As we were uh, pushing it through the park, um, and we also bought a connector kit that connected the two umbrellas to make them one stroller side by side so we could take breaks. So doing that little extra research, um, and you know, we knew we would use them for a little while longer because when you're in parade, the last thing you want to do is try to trail a, a toddler behind you. Um, if you have a stroller, you at least have something to clear the path with hmm. you know, to try to get out and, sure. and to run anybody over. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to handle them that way. You know where they're at and no one, no one's, you know, uh, bumping into them or anything like that too badly. Well, and, and knowing where they're at was the second issue that Lisa had raised that I, I wanted to address. I know that for us, what we did is um, we went ahead and ordered some of the um, silicon wristbands that had um, both mine and my wife's cell phone numbers engraved on them because we didn't want them to, you know, we didn't want the ones that were just just ink because we didn't want the possibility that it would scrape off. Um, and I went ahead and bought, you know, more than just a couple, you know, more than just the, the two or three that we might need, you know, for our two kids um, so that we had plenty of extras. And the rule was really simple. Um, they had to have a wristband on their wrist anytime they walked out of the hotel room. And if they were fiddling with it or taking it off, um, what we did is we had them put one around their ankle because that one, they weren't going to pull off. And, you know, we never really needed it, but it was a lot of peace of mind to know it was there. And that, you know, they both that they had our number and, and my daughter knew our phone number, you know, she was older. She had had our phone number memorized, but a child who's stressed out may forget. And so even if you got older kids, I highly recommend the silicone wristbands. Um, I think they were terrific. It's a great idea. Um, oh, and, uh, Lisa, did you have some other, uh, child identification tips? We've used, I've done a couple different things. I've used um, the engraved, uh, like, dog tags. And I know that there's a lot of locations throughout Disney World where you can um, purchase them. The one concern, the one thing I would check with is the, the you, you can also buy the necklace besides buying the um, dog tag. But the necklace to me didn't, the one my husband bought my son at the boardwalk when I wasn't there, um, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't have the safety release that I could see. And that kind of concerned me. So I think that's something you want to think about if you're going to use the dog tags or you're going to put something around their neck, make sure you have, you know, a safety release necklace or instead you put it on a belt loop or a shoelace if you can do it safely. Um, I've, I use safety tattoos, the safety tats um, with my kids. And it works well for my kids, but I really think you can do something even as simple, you know, I've read, I think even it was on the dis boards of putting like a piece of masking tape, tape on the underside, the hem of their shirt and using a Sharpie and just putting your number on. Um, but, you know, you made a great point just to reiterate, my son knows his phone number, but I think when he would, if he would were to be lost or separated from us in the Disney parks, he would be very upset, and I'm not sure that he could recall it. So it did give me peace of mind, even though, you know, he's six. So even at six years old, I make him wear a safety tattoo because that's one of my biggest fears. Because even though you can keep an eye on them, those parades can get really crowded. Um, you know, leaving the park at night can get really crowded, and it just makes me feel better. 
Sure. And, and one of the things also that we did with our kids before we took our first trip is, um, we found, uh, pictures of, um, cast members with their name tags on them. So, and we showed the kids a cast member name tag and made sure that they knew what one looked like and said, if you ever get separated from us, this is what you look for. Find somebody with one of those tags and they will help you call us. And I also told my son, don't stray too far. I mean, wherever you are in Disney, there's going to be a cast member nearby, whether it's somebody at a food court, I'm sorry, cart, an attraction or a restaurant, because if we do get temporary, temporarily separated for a couple of minutes, my first thing, besides obviously notifying a cast member, is to go to the last location where he was at. So I kind of want him to stay put and make sure, sure a cast member there finds him instead of trying to find us. Yes. Yes. Good point. Yeah, Lisa, Aaron, those are good tips. And we um we take a photo, you know, of our son every morning, you know, when we left the hotel room. So I have like the most recent like of what he's wearing. I'm glad you help. mentioned that. Yes. We do the same. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I was just gonna throw one more thing in there that if uh if your kids are into pin trading, get a uh little lapel pin made with the info on them so that you can keep it on their lanyard. I don't know. Sometimes the lanyards get separated from the kids throughout the day because it's quote-unquote too heavy or whatever, but it's just just another thought on how to get all your information on them in another way. So, Sure. Sure. Um, and so th- that those are important issues, you know, in general, no matter which park you're at. Um, any other tips for sort of you know, the, the real mechanics of, um, how to approach touring a park with, with small children. Well, I think you need to, um, at least for us, the key was to get there early. Um, and not just as keeping the dist ads rules about making rope drop, but, um, getting there early, we went right to where we needed to go and kind of, you know, they were soaking it in as we went up main street, but, I wanted to get near a ride as soon as possible, mainly because knowing my children that once we got that in, some of the anxiety or some of the overexcitement would turn more into, you know, joy and not so much about, wow, there's, you know, 50,000 people running around me. You know, what are we doing? Um, And once we did that, it seemed to kind of calm down. And then you got to stick to those break times. If you know you're going to take a nap or break at this time, you have to stay true to that. Uh, to 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 David's point on getting there early, get there really early. Like on four of our seven days, we had reservations in each of the parks for either Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique or a restaurant at eight eight ten, eight oh five. Um, so get in b- before the park even opens. Get, you know, book that Crystal Palace breakfast at at eight ten. Um, we did Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique and we're out of there by 8:45, which was fantastic on several fronts. One, because we were in the middle of the park and there was no one around, so pictures were fantastic. You could get all the pictures that you wanted with uh, with, with no one in the periphery or in the background. Um, but two, you know, we, 
yes, we had to get up early, and it probably attributed to the fact that my daughter was asleep at 8 o'clock every night. But, you know, you have a good start to the day. You're right where you need to be, and then you can hit the uh, that one, two, three, four, whatever you're trying to get done. And I and hate to say it out of the way, you know, like the things like I don't want to wait to meet Rapunzel for six hours. <laughs> so we're we're going to do that right off the bat. And we did that the first day. And that's the reason we had the Crystal Palace breakfast booked. It wasn't because of Winnie the Pooh, um, which she loved. And, you know, the breakfast is fine and all that. But uh, we were out of there at 850 and standing at the rope. <laughs> right next to where the Rapunzel meet and greet is because if we didn't get to see that my daughter would have been scarred for life and never gone back to Disney so <laughs> well I, I I think you raise a good point of you know knowing what your kids must do is knowing what the the one thing that's most important to them is and and helping them make helping to make sure that that happens um, and I, I would add that you know you, you've got to have a plan um, if you have, uh, if you, if you're in the parks and you're standing there trying to decide what to do next after each, uh, after each attraction, you're going to, you're going to have issues because the kids are going to get restless. They're going to get frustrated. You're going to find yourself doing a lot of, um, you know, backtracking, walking in circles. Um, so, you know, my first tip is have a plan. And then my second tip is make sure your plan is good enough that you don't need it. And what I mean by that is it's great to have a plan and you want to know what you're going to do next. But if you've done the preparation work to build that plan, then if you get thrown a curveball, it's not a big deal. So um, that was really tested on this last trip because for the first several days of our trip, I was in a conference um, and my wife was touring the parks with the kids by herself. In the, uh, during the day while I was at the conference. And so I had done these really detailed plans for her. Um, but, you know, the first day we hit the parks, despite the fact that my daughter had said, oh, you know, I, I did enough of the autograph stuff last time. I'm not going to want to do that this time. Well, sure enough, as soon as she got around, you know, a park and characters, she wanted to go meet characters. Um and so the plan had to change, but we'd done the advanced planning enough so that it wasn't a big deal to adjust on the fly because, you know, we, we knew it was on the agenda and we knew how, how to, to work with the disruptions. Well, to, to that point, the biggest curveball we got was the fact that even though we prepped my daughter with YouTube and Netflix and all the other fun stuff that's out there that you can now see about scary rides which she was all excited for Splash Mountain. Uh, when when they won't get in line, that's the biggest curveball ever. And we, you know, we, we had everything planned out, and it ended up where, you know, that first day we, we hit breakfast, we hit Rapunzel, uh, we went right to Small World because that's her favorite ride. We walked out of there, walked on to Peter Pan, and that was the last dark ride we got her on all week. Oh. Um, it, she wouldn't go on Splash Mountain because of the tunnel going into the ride because it was too dark uh same with pirates it looked like we were trying to steal her she was crying so hard um and we we completely had to reevaluate and and like you said if you if you had just 
grabbed a touring plane and said, I'm going to do this, and you really didn't know the parks, and you weren't, you didn't put the time in uh, beforehand, you know, it, we would have been, we would have been like, well, what are we doing next? But we just completely readjusted and said, okay, well, we'll ride Small World every time you want to and go visit all the characters and just, just go from there. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was an absolutely fantastic trip, but uh, even though you have that plan, don't don't be afraid to, you know, you, you may have to adjust it. Right. Who else has tips or tricks for touring with uh, little ones? Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll share what one thing that we did that was successful. When um, when we took my son when he was one, and uh, the very first thing I did, I made so many mistakes the first trip. Um, over Overpacking was one. Bringing the in-laws was not a mistake, but I would rethink it next time. However, um, <laughs> When we went to the park, the very first thing we did was locate the baby care centers, which are amazing. And I think um, even if your child is not like an infant, infant, there's a TV in there with movies and books and toys, and you can spend a lot of time just sitting in there. And they have private restroom facilities nearby and stuff too, so it was it was very helpful. Um, and and he's really into maps, so I think they have that that map for um like for the small kids for Disney world where it kind of suggests things that are age appropriate, maybe around the three or under three. Yep. Um, that, that was kind of fun and, and helpful too. Cause it kind of showed us that look, there's a big park, but look, these are some highlights we can hit. And, um, and, and I don't know if I'm like, um, uh, breaking the rule or not, but we never really went back to our resort for nap times. Um, when y'all were talking about the strollers earlier and how they reclined, that's definitely the one we got. We got a good Jeep model, and it always reclined, and he spent his naps in there where we just had some relaxing time, people watching. And uh, I never raced back with the crowd to the hotel we stayed until pretty much, uh, you know, early evenings. See, that's one of the, that's one of the secrets that, that, you know, I think that, that doesn't get shared. The, one of the advantages with a very small child, which is that a lot of really little kids – you know, even with the background music and the you know shouting or whatever that that exists in a in a theme park, um, you know, sensory overload hits. They've they've experienced enough and and seen enough and absorbed enough that when they're ready to crash, they're just going to crash, um, and they're going to sleep wherever they are. So with the really little ones, sometimes you can avoid. Uh, having to go back to to the resort to take a nap. You know, that's not something that worked anymore with my three year old. Um, but with a, a one-year-old or, or, you know, maybe even, you know, a young two-year-old, uh, you might even be able to get them to sleep right there in the in the park. That was the case for us. And it really, it was nice because it gave my husband and I some time to kind of just slow down and stroll, pick up, you know, a iced coffee drink or a snack or whatever, and just actually have an uninterrupted conversation with each other. Um, <laughs> kind of napped and, and took a break. So that was very helpful to have that stroller that reclined. Yeah. All right. Well, does anybody else have any, uh, any tips, tricks, things? I, I got, I got one more. Okay. Go um, ahead. And we're, we're big sit down meal people to begin with. Um, but, uh, kind of going along with the break theme, um, it really helped us to we, we were on the deluxe dining plan this last time um and it was 
it was really nice, even though I know a, a lot of people are anti-dining plan or whatever, but it was absolutely fantastic to take that break. We had most of our meals planned out, um, and getting that midday break, uh, ours was kind of sitting down eating. So whether it was Via Napoli or La Cellier or wherever, um, we got an hour and a half in the air conditioning in July heat. So it, it was nice to get out of it for that. Um, and then again, again, at dinner was, was fantastic. And, and along the same lines, um, obviously characters are a big deal. And I would recommend doing as if, if it's in the budget or you're on the dining plan, do as many character meals as possible because you will get, um, a lot of that autograph stuff out of the way where you're not standing in line for Mickey or for, uh, you know, Donald every time you see him or anything to that effect. Um, but you can, we did three different princess dinners and, uh, they were, they were all fantastic. And it was much more of a, it seemed like it was much more of a one-on-one experience, whereas opposed to standing in line, getting a picture and not, I mean, don't get me wrong. The princesses do a great job whenever you meet them, but doing it at the dinner and them coming to you, it just kind of, it gave it a, a bit more of a personal feel. So I, I, those are two, you know, two tips. Cause then they're not antsy standing in line waiting. Why are we not there yet? That type of thing. They're eating, they have other stuff to do. So it's just, that's, that's, that was a huge savings for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess what I would say is when it comes to the, the dining question, you, you really just need to know your kids. Um, because if we were traveling with just my daughter, um, I think that, you know, lunch ADRs would be ideal. You know, we, we could tour hard in the morning. We could take a nice lunch, uh, you know, inside, take a break, uh, you know, be in the air conditioning, take our time and then go back out in the afternoon and and tour some more. Um, my son, however, has never been one to sit still at the table. Um, that's just not his personality and it would be pure torture to him to make him, you know, sit for an hour and a half in a restaurant waiting for a costumed character that he's already nervous about and he's shy about, you know, to come around and, and, um, and approach him for him. What we, what was, you know, best was, you know, a quick serve opportunity where he could, you know, eat what he needed to eat and move on to the next thing. Cause that's his personality. Um, and we had to kind of balance that obviously with both kids, but, um, we found that, that with him, we really did need to get out of the parks away from all of those distractions in order for him to get his rest and God help us. If he didn't get the rest, um, it, it made for an unpleasant end of the day. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, anybody else with, um, tips or tricks for, uh, touring the parks with, with small kids? I don't know if this is a trick, but I would say, um, there's a lot more to Disney. It's more of an, than just the major attractions, especially for small children. I think of it more as an experience. So for my family, I think, you know, we try and see what our child's interested in. And yes, we always have a plan, but we definitely try and be flexible. So if he's distracted or he sees something 
like the the little hedge maze, uh, maze behind the United Kingdom Pavilion, Epcot, that the kids could run around in for 15 minutes. You know, you might think, oh, I have to get to the next attraction. Let me bypass it. But the kids had a blast in it. So I think sometimes, you know, don't just always look at the major attractions. Look at those little distractions that might really fit your child's personality, whether it be that maze or if they love trains, the little train village um, by the Germany Pavilion, as an example. I think that is an excellent tip to, to close out this topic on because um, it really does tie all these things together. Um, you know, knowing your kid, planning ahead, and really taking advantage of the the full range of what Walt Disney World has to offer. And you really can enjoy touring uh, and, and vacationing at Walt Disney World, even with uh, small children. So, you know, We'd love to hear from you as well. You've just heard us talking for the last hour or so about traveling with kids. Share with us your best uh, tips and tricks. Uh, You can email us at podcast at disdads.com. Visit our website, disdads.com. Tweet us at disdadspodcast on Twitter. Uh, Participate in the discussion in the Disdads subforum of the Disney for Families forum on disboards.com. Any of those are great ways to talk to us, and uh, we'd love that interaction. So until next time, this is Aaron Ritmaster with special guest Lisa Batista, David Jort, David Nicely, and James Goodman. See you next time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Nice job. This has been a Wizard of Oz production.